Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 146, How Innate Health Was Revealed Through Magic with Jamie Sellers. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Changeable. My guest on today's episode is the magic man, Jamie Sellers. So Jamie is a magician. He's been practicing magic um, for a long time, over 20 years, I think he said. He's also been uh, sharing this understanding with teens and adults um, in psychiatric hospitals and inpatient and outpatient settings for about that long as well, for a little over 20 years. And I, I met Jamie several years ago at a conference and, and he was known, is still probably known as the magician, the 3P magician. Um, but I recently heard him referenced uh, by someone else in, in the context of uh, using magic in working with people to help them see that, you know, if you're depressed or feeling anxious or feeling however you might be feeling and suddenly you're mesmerized by a magic trick or anything really but in this case a magic trick being done in front of you you're just there you're just in the moment you aren't that depressed person that anxious person you aren't thinking about your problems you aren't trying to get somewhere else you're just truly there in the moment and you don't have those problems. Like you don't feel them. Where are they? They're nowhere to be found when we're present. So of course, this has nothing to do with magic per se, but Jamie has used magic with his clients and patients over the years to help them see that. And I love how in this conversation, he talks about how it really helped him see that, that he could go into these psychiatric hospitals with people with a lot of really serious diagnoses. And within minutes, couldn't tell one apart from the other. They're all just human beings, all exactly the same. No issues, no problems, just sitting there watching a magic trick. And I just wanted to hear more about that. And you're going to love this conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. There's so many metaphors uh, about magic and the illusion of things. And we talk about misdirection and I don't know, all kinds of uh, little magic terms that, that, don't just apply to magic, obviously. They apply to everything in life. And at the end, Jamie even tells the Sid Banks joke. So you got to listen all the way through for that because it's a good one. So enjoy this conversation with Jamie Sellers. Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for coming on Changeable. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. So um, I'm super excited to talk about your experience with magic and how that plays into how you share this understanding that we share and how you've helped people over the years. Um, so before we get into that, maybe just tell everyone a little bit about how you came into this understanding and kind of how it's helped you personally. Okay. Yeah, great. So, um, so my profession, I'm a social worker by trade, and, um, but I actually came to this understanding um, when I was in right out of graduate school. Um, and this was back in 2000. I was um, going through a period of just really trying to figure out um, 
I was trying to be, find happiness and, and I was trying to find it in my relationships. I would try to find it um, in just have, you know, doing fun things. It was always, um, it just always felt like it was one step ahead of me and I could never get there. And so I was a bit of a seeker um, for my age. And, um, and so I was always going to the self-help uh, section of the bookstores and, and, uh, and I discovered a book um, and that the book was basically pointing out that um, the fact of the present moment and how um, thought uh, either thinking ahead or thinking behind that's where the suffering was coming from for me. And, and, and in a moment, I just started laughing. I was reading this book. I was in tears, in emotion, and then I started laughing with tears because it just really hit me. And so, so I got really interested at, after a couple of years after that. Um, I was working as a therapist in a psychiatric hospital, and I got interested in learning how to um, share this professionally. and. Um, sort of followed the trail from the back of the book to um, uh, various mentors and, and got to, I uh, was blessed to meet some people out in Washington, the, uh, the Pranskys and Dick and Bettinger and, and um, have other friends that I've met over the years who have mentored me. So, um, so yeah, that's a little bit about my uh, background. I'm currently, so I worked in the hospital for 17 years and now I'm the director of a residential treatment center for boys with severe emotional disturbances. So uh, our guys have gone through severe trauma, abuse, neglect, and um, they stayed with us for about a year or so. And um, so I'm more of an administrator now. And, um, but we do that. And, um, and then I also have private coaching. Um, I do a lot of work with parents and a lot of other things of that nature um, in terms of, of teaching this understanding. Well, so, so in that, so you were just going through your own stuff and always kind of in your head thinking there must be something better and where's my happiness. And then you laughed, cracked up laughing, realizing, oh, it's right here. <laughs> I'm just always thinking myself away from it. Right. right. Um, I love that. And I love how it like just took you on this journey. Cause I think that's how it is for so many of us. Like, wow, where can I see more about this? And I would imagine that was back. You said like in the like 2000? It was in 2000. And what was yeah. so funny is that when I really got hit, I went to the psychologist at the hospital and I was like, this is going to change everything. <laughs> this is the, it's so simple. Every, and, and you can imagine um, the reaction. I, I think I was a little evangel evangelistic, evangelical about it, I guess you could yeah. say, a little extra zealous. And so, um, it wasn't well received. Um, but, uh, and so those are those lessons I think you learn early on is um, how to be respectful of the current way of looking at things and finding common threads. So that's been a journey in and of itself. But um, so, yeah, I was working in the hospital and I was, um, and, and to kind of tie in the magic, I had started getting interested in magic when I was in graduate school which was a few years before that. And, um, and I've always had an interest in understanding how things work. I was fascinating, fascinated in just um, how it was that, that two magicians could do the same trick and get a completely different response. Mm -hmm. 
And so that, and, and I always wanted to like get the best response I could get. So I had this, I already had this um, interest in understanding principles, you know, understanding truths behind something. Yeah. So, um, so what were you doing with magic at that point? Was it just kind of a hobby, just something you studied or? It was a hobby. I got to where I could do it some part-time professionally. I never was interested in doing it full-time. I didn't, I wanted to enjoy it. I didn't want to have to do it. Yeah. And so I got to, um, I got a, a gig at a restaurant in, in here in a, an Italian restaurant. I would work the waiting area and get a free dinner and I'd pass out business cards and I would do, you know, Christmas parties or birthday parties for kids. Nothing, nothing elaborate. Um, I really was just a, a, a hobbyist and, and still am. But, um, but what was really interesting was, was when I first started exploring this understanding I started, um, I saw almost right away the fact of, of our innate mental health, that it's something that's always there. And, um, yeah, that it, it, magic was, it, is a, it, I don't know if you want me to, um, elaborate more on that. I could, I, I'm bad about rambling. So no, it's great. Yeah. Well, well, I guess, how did you, how did it occur to you to bring magic into the work you were doing in the hospital? Was that because you, you saw this connection oh, already or was it sort of like, Oh, let me just do a few magic tricks for these people. And then you saw that it had an impact or how did that's that go? A great, that's a really good question. Cause I totally took, took that for granted that. So no, I, I, I would use magic as a way that helped me to connect with people. Yeah. Um, it was a crutch for me early on in terms of just, whether it was socially, whether it was um, if I was going to be in a you know a group of people, I would use that as a way of of, of connecting with them, and um, and so yes, I, I and that came in handy in, in my you know in my college days as well. So when I would, um, so I started doing that as a way of getting rapport to connect with the clients or the patients. When I was leading a group, the kids would get more interested. If I, um, you know, pulled out a deck of cards and 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 showed that some tricks, yeah. So then, what did so so it was a great rapport builder. And then tell us about like when uh when you, so was it a good rapport builder like for everyone? Like we know that kids like magic, we know that adults like magic, but I'm curious about like the schizophrenics and like the right. you know, suicidal depressed people that you were working with. Like how were they to it? Yeah. Yeah, that was what was so interesting to me. Um, I would, I, I was leading a group uh, every week um, on the adult unit. And, and on this unit, you would have the range, the full range of, of diagnostic labels. Um, like you said, people with severe uh, paranoid schizophrenia, people with severe anxiety, people who are depressed, um, people who are, at, you know, maybe detoxing. Um, and so we would, uh, I would go in to, to lead group and they're, and, and most of the time they're not that excited about group that they often want to just be left alone. Uh, many of them are even there against their will. And so I would go in the, the room and, and, uh, say, this is, you know, you want to pull out my deck of cards and it's group time. And, and, um, and after about five minutes, if you were to walk in, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between who had schizophrenia and who was depressed and who was anxious. You would see them 
uh, laughing. I would have to tell them sometimes, guys, keep it down. Remember, you're in a psych hospital. <laughs> and and uh, one, one time, the, this lady, uh, I said, well, does anybody have any questions? And she said, yeah, how did you do the trick? And, and I said, uh, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. And she said, please, and started laughing. <laughs> she had been suicidal prior to coming in. And it was great. And everybody thought it was the funniest thing. And now, you know, on paper, that sounds horrible. And, and I wouldn't say to do that as a technique, but it was something that, that came up in the midst of that connection that was very uh, healing for the group. And so more often than not, um, after people would come to me and say that, because we would, we would use the magic to tie things in and they would come to me later and say, that's the first group they've ever had on mental health. And, and, and not only that, they get to experience, they're experiencing mental health in real time. Yeah. Yeah. So did they know that? Do you know what I mean? Like they just think the magic is doing it. I would assume, right? Well, they think yes, it's they, very outside in, but, but yeah, how did they? Right. Did they they would, they that? would say, and I would ask them, okay. So how are you guys feeling? Oh, we're feeling great. I feel like I'm six again. Okay. So how is that possible? I mean, we're sitting here in a psych hospital. You got court in an hour and you feel like a six-year-old. And, and some, sometimes they would explain it away and they would say, well, it's just, it's just a, a nice escape. It's a distraction. You, you just gave us a, a really good distraction from reality. And that was when it hit me that it really wasn't a distraction. It, it actually, we were more in touch with reality and the distraction is the worry. You know, it's the ruminating about court. It's yeah. the replay of the fight with their, you know, spouse that led to them being hospitalized or whatever. And so that, that it, it what was really cool for me, whether they appreciate it or not, it helped me to see with certainty that, their mental health, no matter how sick they were, was right below the surface. The waves, as, as bad as the waves were on the surface, within minutes below that, there was, there was well-being um, and enjoyment. That's amazing. I love that so much that, yes, no matter how big the waves are, it doesn't take long. Like just even to see, even when you just say like minutes below it, I mean, that's kind of crazy to think about, you know, for these people that are living most of their experience in their experience and to know that just below the surface, it takes so little to touch that place. And, and it's not something they did. And that would be something I would remind them too. It, it, if you, it wasn't like they said, oh, he's about to do a trick. Let me enjoy this. Let me, it, it, they just, it, it was a natural it was natural. I mean, back then we, I talked a lot about just like holding a beach ball underwater. When you let go of the beach ball, it would float to the top. Yeah. And so they would, um, they would have an experience of it. Now it wouldn't take long for them to go right back. I mean, within minutes they can go right back. Right. Um, and so it was helpful in terms of pointing it out and for them to have an experience of it. And sometimes people would shift and, and they were fine. I mean, it was a, it was a one, one particular guy who had, was there and had been suicidal and um, he had a history of substance abuse. And after the group, he came to me and said, he wanted to know um, 
if he could see me outpatient privately, you know, and, um, but he had a shift, he had a big enough shift that, um, I mean, it, it changed everything. He, he didn't have to go back to the hospital. Um, I see him occasionally for, for boosters, but, um, considering the difference between what he looked like before, um, and then what, after he had that aha in there, um, it, it those are the results that get explained away by, by medications and other, other things. Yeah. Yeah. Did it, um, did it shock them ever that they could feel, you know, like, did it take you pointing that out? Like, whoa, look how different you feel now from before I walked in the room and we did the magic or did they see that right away and sometimes be like, whoa, what happened to my depression or, you know, how did that go? Yes, they would, they, sometimes they would, um, I think it's early on in my, in my career, I would get into it trying to prove it and convince them. And, and it, and then that would kind of, I think sometimes it, it didn't always work out well, but, um, but often they would, they hadn't thought of that. And and then I started seeing it elsewhere. Like when they were eating, if I was walking through the cafeteria, I would see them laughing or cutting up or a funny commercial comes on the TV. And, and I, and I started to see, well, that was it. They had mental health for 30 seconds. And then after they might've gone off and started talking to themselves, but just seeing that if it can be there for 30 seconds, I mean, to me, that was, that was extremely hopeful. And the other thing that was interesting about it is that it helped me when I was working with someone to, I literally could see it. You know, I could see it in every person even if they weren't showing it, I could still see that it's there. I know I knew it was there. It helped my certainty mm -hmm. to know that it was there. And even if it didn't draw it out, it made it more likely to for for them to see it in themselves. Yeah, it's it's so interesting that um, how we can sometimes see it in people so easily. You know, we can see it in other people, but and how I like how you described that, where it's like it just. It just looks the opposite from how it is. So we just need to be reminded and have it pointed out a lot. You know, like they'll go back to, and we all will. We'll all go back to, no, here are my problems and here why, here's why I can't be happy and all of that. And then, you know, someone else sees, well, wait a minute, you know, you were just happy for a minute. <laughs> you were just laughing for a minute. And how natural that is for us to think, oh, well, that was the exception, the distraction, the joke did that, whatever, the magic trick did it. But to flip that around, you know, it's just really what you're saying. Like, no, that's the truth. What if that's the truth of things and the rest is the distraction. And it's yeah. interesting that that was kind of what drew, drew you personally into this too. Like yeah. you had been in your head thinking that life needs to be different, you know, and, and that's just such a big right. thing. And it's funny too, how it, it, when you look back after learning this and you look back, even at bad times, it, it, changed the context of everything and it, it explained things. So it, it was like, Oh, so that's why I was so unhappy in college or that's why, um, I was, I, I, um, time seemed to slow down when I was in this unknown, you know, I was dealing with an unknown and life seemed really simple. It had nothing to do with, with the, with what was going on outside of me. It was happening between my ears. Yeah. And so it made sense from that perspective. Yeah, there's so many like just metaphors and magic for mm -hmm. life, right? I oh, mean, yeah. I was thinking of um, 
like what do they call it? What do you call it? Like misdirection when you're, mm-hmm. is that what it's called? Yes. Okay. Um, Cause I did a, a, had a podcast a while back. Um, I heard this stat that we take in like 11 billion bits of information per minute or second or whatever it is. And we're aware of 50 of them. Like this ratio was literally 50 to 11 billion, which just blew my mind. Because if you think about that, like, you know, there's just so much stuff. And, and the 50, we decide, we don't really decide, but the 50 that comes to our awareness, we just think that's life. Like, oh, these little 50, this is me. This is my life, you know? Meanwhile, there's a whole thing going on. And it made me think of the misdirection because there's all kinds of stuff going on. You're being all sneaky and stuff as a magician, but you're trying to get your person, your audience to look over here, right? So they don't see all that. Well, yeah, so it's, it's, um, it's funny because young kids are, are more difficult to fool mm-hmm. than adults because adults... You can you can say things to them and they'll get distracted mentally. They'll they'll believe what you say. They can get roped in where kids are just watching unfiltered and they'll catch that they're actually now they're easy to entertain because you can be silly and all that. But it's not uncommon for the kids to be like, it's in the other hand. It's in the (laughs) and and the adults are like, what? Because they get distracted, you know, misdirection. Um, and actually, there's a famous quote by a magician um, who's he was known as the professor. And most um, magicians, I mean, I'll, if a true magician will know, his name was Di Vernon. And his one of his famous quotes is magic happens in the mind of the spectator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's the experience of that. And now it's really a lot of it's about assumptions. So I have a I have a, a trick and. Unfortunately, it's not something that plays well on a podcast, right? But um, where I would have the spectator pick a card and then I would do a trick with it. And I said, hey, let's, you want to do it again? Sure. And they would pick the same card again. Oh, that's, what's that about? All right, pick a different one. And they pick the same card again. And I said, oh, you know what? Let's put this card out of the deck. And they pick a card again. And the card that was pulled out is a different one. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm playing on that. Okay. Well, it's much better if you see it, by the way. <laughs> anyway, um, but what it is, is it's assumptions, right? So they're assuming it takes a lot of acting on my part or the magician's part, but they're assuming that, oh, okay, they assumed that I put the card over there. That's a thought. And, and you know, what happens when we assume? We get fooled. You know, um, our minds are fooling us all the time. Magic is just a way of highlighting or, or putting a spotlight on on how we can fool ourselves with with perception, yeah. and um, and it has nothing to do with being fast or or anything like that. It's it's um, it's all in our heads. I love that uh, that kids are harder to fool. That just makes so much sense, and for the reason you said, right? Like adults will just be in their heads with it, and. The kids are just these fluid kind of looking around even when you don't want them to be and just more in the moment. Uh, it's probably, I mean, I don't know the data on this or anything, but it's probably similar to why young kids absorb a second language easier. Why mm-hmm. young kids, you know, they, they pick up on things, nuance, you know, they're, they're intuitive and um, we just, we just do so much filtering. And they're not making assumptions or not taking them seriously if they are making them. Right. That's right. Yeah. And the other thing I would say too about kids, you know, even teens and young teens, um, preteens, they can be a lot more reflective than we give them credit for um, when working with them. And so um, when doing magic for them or in teaching this understanding, 
you can have really good philosophical discussions with them about it. And um, I think sometimes we, we underestimate their ability to, uh, to grasp this. But um, I have another effect that I use sim- similar where it, it, it's like the appearance that a, co- a coin goes through the pocket. And it's a, just an illusion and it's a very simple one, but it looks compelling. It looks real. And I'll ask them, I'll, I'll say, well, um, do I need to go, where do I need to go to get this hole fixed? And they'll say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I mean, look, and I show them and, but there's no hole. And I'm like, yeah, but do I need to do it? What would happen if I went to get this? And so it's silly, right? But that's often what we're trying to do is fix an illusion. Yeah. We're trying to fix something that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And so I'll use that as a, as a tie-in to talking about things like fixing the past. Yeah. And I actually used one of your essays in uh, which I didn't, I, I've been uh, for a few years now, the, the one about does the past need to be healed out of uh, being human? I would use that. And that kind of points out the same principle of uh, the illusion of magic and the illusion of, you know, the tooth fairy and all the other beliefs we have. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It is. It is. It's, um, but what a good, like people just need to see something sometimes and to have it in context. You know, I think sometimes, and I mean, everyone's, share and especially big stuff like this understanding and the best way they can see to. But I just love when people like you come in and just use really practical kind of tools to do it because it, it does, it just wakes something up in us. Like we can see it in magic and then it looks like life is separate from magic or we can see it over here, but life looks separate than from that, you know, but what a great way to just see, no, it's all, everything's an illusion. I talk to my kids who are nine and 11, my nine-year-old, especially a lot about dreams because he'll have these dreams and then, you know, and I'm always just like, he kind of gets annoyed by it, but I'm always like, well, how do you know that that wasn't reality and this isn't the dream? Maybe you just have a constant dream that I'm your mom and you're you and that was real, you know, and it just kind of like makes his head explode and he gets annoyed with me. But, uh, but stuff like that, it is, you know, it's similar in magic. My nine-year-old daughter gets annoyed too. She calls it my teacher voice. <laughs> so when I start to when I start to try to uh, teach her something, she's oh, you're doing the teacher voice again. Yeah, that's never good. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, yeah, so the illusory nature of stuff. I mean, that's all what magic is, right? It's just it's something that looks so real, but we sort of know it's not, and that's probably why people love it. It looks so real, and we can't figure out why why the things are happening the way they're happening because they go against all of our senses. Um, do you think, do people sometimes like not like magic for that reason? Like, does it, if you're like a control freak, you need to know everything. You probably yeah. don't enjoy magic. Yeah. So what I've started when, when sometimes it, it, it can be um, threatening um, to our ego to not know how something works or to be yeah. fooled. And, um, and so what I've started in those situations, I'll remind them that when you go to the movies, the reason we enjoy a, mo- a, a good movie with special effects, you know, the, the blockbuster movies, um, whether it's a, an action movie or a, is that we um, we know we know it's not real, really, but we're able to let go of it and enjoy it. If you were watching a movie and you were constantly saying it's just a movie, it's just a movie, it's just a movie you you wouldn't enjoy it and if you're watching magic and you're like oh it's just a trick it's just a trick and you're and you're you're not allowing yourself to just kind of let let go and enjoy it but um but yes there are people who um 
it really bothers bothers them not to know how it's done. Um, it it's uh, it points out some insecurities, right? And um, it's 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 always been interesting though the difference. But you, you never know. Some people just love it, and you would have never expected it. And then yeah. some people you think loved it, and then they just kind of you know explain it away. And um, I mean, I never claim that it's real. I, I, I to me, I, I my style is just that. Isn't this really cool? Like I don't even know how it work, works. That's kind of the way I perform. Yeah. I'm not like look what I can do, and so um, that helps because it you know they're gonna. I mean, not to get into a whole podcast about magic performance, but if you're performing in a, in a kind of an egoic way, you're basically asking them to challenge you. You're challenging them and you get into a power struggle. So if you're presenting it in a way to point out how experience the life, you know, the illusory life experience, um, you want to be reflective. You don't want them analyzing. Right. How do you, okay, this is, just, this is just a magic question, but I've always wondered this kind of thing. Like people that, like mentalists, people that do that kind of stuff, is there always, uh, is there always like just a lot of trickery behind it or, or do they truly in some ways, like, like how much do you call on actual intuition and just your own sense when you're doing this stuff. Of course, that's in everything. But do you know what I mean? Like these mentalists, like they act like they're mind readers, which I don't think they are. But what's that about? Yeah, so I don't do a lot of mentalism. and um, But I, I can say that in a, a lot of ways, like a comedian, you know, may have jokes that they've written and that they've tested or whatever. But in the moment, in the flow, you know, their own creative, you know, wisdom comes out and they'll, they'll know how to, um, a, a, the right way to say something, a, a new joke will come up. Um, I've had many times where I'm performing and, um, and you just kind of get in this zone where you're picking up on who's really burning your hands, meaning like really staring and yeah. you know to engage them. And so you, you get into this, this flow state when you're performing which yeah. is, I think, why it's enjoyable for the performer as well. Um, and I think that happens with comedians who are really good at handling hecklers and handling, yeah. um, you know, the, a dead crowd. You just, you just kind of learn things that, um, um, as far as like, uh, there have been times when you can get really lucky. <laughs> things like it didn't go right, but then you took a chance and it ended up, and then it's like, you're just as surprised as they are. Yeah. Um, I don't do a lot of mental work, but, um, but there's always, I would say that, that what, what we're the, the attributing power to the effect is never what you think it is. You know, it's, it's, it's like the whole, like the hands are, your hands must be really fast and it, the work was done way before. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what's so interesting about it is that it's never what you think it is. It's always simpler. And, and probably disappointing. If you knew how it was done, you'd probably be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that statement, though, it's never what you think it is. It's always simpler is exactly what we're talking about, too. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't that's, that's exactly so reflective of what our mind does. Our mind thinks, this is the reason I feel this way. Or that our mind's always looking for the causes, always mm -hmm. looking at the fast hands. And you're like, no, it's way upstream from that. Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. That's so interesting. Do you ever watch that show Fool Us, the Penn and Teller yes. show? Yeah. Yes. I just love that. 
it's, it's, it's really cool to watch because that there are magicians that I know and I have their books and you know, that, that you might not have never heard of them. Yeah. And, um, and it's always interesting to see how they do when they're pre- performing for other magicians is always, that's a different ball game. Yeah. Well, I just love how Penn and Teller are really egoless in that. Like they want to be fooled and you can just see their passion for it coming through. They, they get so excited when someone actually fools them. Yes. They really appreciate the art. That's for sure. Yeah. And what you said about reading the art, like being in that zone and feeling for things, it just reminded me of like the same thing happens when you lead a group or when I lead a group too, right? So it is, it is, it's just such a, such a fun place and kind of going back to the, the people in the hospital and all your clients and stuff too. It's like, it's that, that reality where we just sort of know things that we don't know and we just have a sense of things and things just show up. It's just so right beneath the surface, you know, of all that thinking. So I think anything we do like that, that we can just immerse ourselves in, it's, that's probably is the joy in it. So much of the joy in it is we get to touch that, that space more. Yes. Being able to point that out and then have them realize they're in their own life when they experience that. So I've had, I would have a, a clients that would say, well, or, or patients would say, you know, I can't meditate. Um, I, someone's tried to get me to meditate. And then they would discover that playing Madden football was their meditation because mm-hmm. they would get, their mind would get quiet. They would become present. They'd get in that space and, um, and they found enjoyment. And so magic is, they get to experience that. And then you can point back to um, other contexts where you find enjoyment. Yeah. Um, some men like to piddle with like car engines and that would stress me out to do that, that but it relaxes them yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's not about the activity. It's about what your mind is doing at the time. And, it makes um, me think of daydreaming. Someone just mentioned that she was always a, a big daydreamer and, and I was too as a kid and always got in trouble for it. And like your head's in the clouds and it was this escapism kind of thing as people would say it to us. But she realized by being in this kind of conversation, she's like, wow, that that's perfect. Like that was just me being me. <laughs> it was, I, you know, the rest is the escapism, all this busyness. Right. That's right. Yeah. I love this. I love, uh, I love all the tie-ins and all the metaphors. And it's just, yeah, just such a cool thing to, to use in this way. Mm-hmm. So will you tell us your, uh, your Sydney Banks joke to wrap it oh, up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah, so this is, um, so back in, it was in 2006, I believe it was, um, Sydney Banks um, had a conference in Vancouver. And, um, and I was... Uh, known as the magician guy, I guess, hanging around and I was walking around doing magic. And so I got to do a card trick for, uh, for Sid and, um, he didn't seem that impressed. Um, he just basically said it was just all a big illusion. So um, <laughs> we need the drums. It was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If only my, my wife was here to, to roll her eyes in the background. The only other thing, um, Yes. I, I get, I've used that joke for a long time. And then at, at one point it was like, okay, it's time to retire that one. I need to come up with a new one. So, well, if you come up with a new one, let me know, but thanks for pulling <laughs> it, it out of retirement. Story. I actually did. It, it's not true that he said that about the illusion, but it was a true story that I got to perform for him. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is very cool. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. Oh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Hey, did you know that my two flagship programs, the Little School of Big Change and the Change Coach Training Program, now have self-study versions? That means you don't have to wait until the next live group starts. You can get instant access to the Little School of Big Change curriculum or to an extensive set of lessons and coaching sessions in the case of the Change Coach Home Study course and start seeing more right away. The best part, this is awesome, is that you get to go through the self-study versions now or whenever you're ready and then also join the next live guided versions of these courses. So your investment for the self-study course goes toward the price of the live course if you choose to upgrade. It's a total win-win. You can get this content now, do whatever you want with it at your own pace, and also let me guide you and support you and lead you through it when it's time. I'd love to see you try out one of these self-study courses. You can find links to both of them in the show notes.